transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Our topic today is recognizing tick disorders and Tourette syndrome. My guest is Dr. Keith Kaufman. Dr. Kaufman is clinical director of neurology and co-director of the Tourette Syndrome Center of Excellence at Children's Mercy. Dr. Kaufman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. So let's, um, what, why is Tourette Syndrome and tick disorders so often misunderstood and, and even misdiagnosed? So the main reason that this group of conditions is under-recognized and under-diagnosed is the public perception of these disorders is typically very inaccurate. Um, it's been portrayed for many years as a condition where patients have uncontrollable uh, utterances that are socially unacceptable, and that actually is the large is actually a very small minority of those patients who have uh, Tourette syndrome and things related to it. Most patients who have Tourette have something as simple as an uncontrollable sniffing or throat clearing or humming that until it rises to the level where it's frequent and noticeable across situations, most people simply ignore it. Yeah, and so I guess maybe Hollywood's a little to blame for that because every time you see a Tourette's patient on a film or in a TV show, it's it's the the inappropriate cursing and that kind of stuff, and that definitely doesn't help out, does it? No, and, and that's part of why there, for many patients and families um, who don't yet have a diagnosis, when we have that first conversation with them, they look at us very often confused, and as their perception has been shaped by the media. So, so what guidance then can you offer um, our listeners today in in recognizing Tourette's and tick disorders? Sure. So uh, a tick is an involuntary movement or sound that is recurrent and stereotyped. So it either looks the same or sounds the same every time the child or teenager does it. And it's something also that when you ask the patient about it, he or she may not even be aware that they're doing it. So if you say, you know, why are you making that sound or why are you doing that movement? He or she may say to you, what are you talking about? I don't realize that I'm doing anything. And the other thing that that some patients will say is when they're asked about it, the, the child will say, I can't stop it. And it's those kind of questions that if a parent or a family member hears or sees their child doing something that is going over and over, and when asked about it, they're either unaware or say, well, I've tried and I can't stop it. That's their clue that that's really a tick. Gotcha. So so tell us then about the Tourette Syndrome Center of Excellence at Children's Mercy. So our center is one of nine nationally recognized centers in the United States for care and treatment of patients uh, with Tourette syndrome and related disorders. Uh, our center has uh, a child psychiatrist, Dr. Bob Batterson, child neurologist, it's myself, uh, two child neurology nurse practitioners, a neuropsychologist, uh, nursing staff, a nurse coordinator, uh, family therapist, so a true comprehensive center for all aspects of, of need. 
So it, let me. I'm going to back up for a sec to the to the the way we're we're under diagnosing Tourette syndrome and tic disorders. If if we were to not do that and recognize them more um, in our everyday practice, what what do you think the 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 prevalence of say Tourette syndrome actually is then? Uh, in so the, the prevalence uh, around the U.S. and really worldwide. Um, is around 1% of the population, so about 1 in 100 people, has Tourette syndrome or chronic tic disorder. And if you think about that in perspective, that's about the same frequency as epilepsy. Um, But in terms of the public knowledge about epilepsy, it far exceeds the public knowledge about Tourette. Right. And is there any, you know, when you look into to the research that's going on into the etiology of, say, Tourette syndrome specifically, is there anything new on the horizon that has you excited that you think um, could even be a breakthrough? So the etiology question is uh, proven to be much more difficult than expected. So there have been numerous studies looking at the genetics, uh, because we know that Tourette can run in families, and the things that go along with Tourette, anxiety disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, also cluster within families. Yet the, the search for the gene to cause Tourette syndrome or the location within our genetics to cause it has at this point uh, not yielded anything. Uh, what is most likely the situation is there are tendencies towards development of Tourette and things related to it that cluster in families, and it takes a certain combination of the right genetics to make a patient show up with Tourette versus obsessive-compulsive versus ADHD. I think some of the biggest research in terms of breakthrough has been looking at the network. So Tourette syndrome very much is a difference in the brain's network of functioning, which is why you get all of these other symptoms along with the tics. And looking at patients who are awake and behaving in an MRI scanner and looking at the way that their brain network is activated versus those who don't have this family of conditions has given a great deal of clue in terms of this truly is a network difference in function, and we have to think about it at the whole brain, whole person level, as opposed to just the tics or just the anxiety. So, you know, Children's Mercy has many um, multidisciplinary clinics. Um, I know many of them are models for uh, many p- other pediatric centers throughout the country. So tell us or, or maybe walk us through what a typical visit is um, like for a patient in the family at the Tourette Syndrome Center of Excellent Children's Mercy? Sure. So I'll back it up even further. So the key thing that makes our center so successful is that we have a very clear intake process where Sandy Price, our nurse coordinator for the center, does a phone interview with the patient's family before they uh, get scheduled for the appointment. And she when she meets with them on the phone, goes through all the child's symptoms and all the other things that's going on with the child and says, well, based on what I'm hearing, this is the right first provider within our center for you to see. And sometimes that's myself. Sometimes that's one of our two nurse practitioners, uh, Jamie Kagarice and Laura Banning. Sometimes it's Dr. Batterson. And in some cases, it actually is Dr. Batterson and myself. 
And what we do there is that the child and their family spend uh, a joint appointment with both neurology and psychiatry and take a team-based approach from the beginning on helping that situation. After the child's first appointment, it's then decided what else might they need. Do they need to see our neuropsychologist because they've got issues that uh, involving school function or cognitive function? Are we in a situation where the Tourette syndrome and the things related to it are causing enough impact on the home environment that we need family therapy? Or is it that we need some occupational therapy for some coordination or sensory issues? Um, Or is the patient a prime candidate for what's called CBIT or CBIT therapy? And CBIT therapy is a technique that's been proven to help reduce and eliminate tics without medication at all. And it feeds on that sometimes urge that patients who have Tourette syndrome have where they can tell the tick is going to happen. And when they feel that urge to do the tick, similar to the feeling you'd get before you have to sneeze, that you activate the muscles involved in the tick, but make them move in a way opposite you would for the tick to control the tick and truly eliminate it. And that therapy has been... Go ahead. I I was just going to say, that's very... So what's the, the success of that therapy? So that the success of CBIT is as successful as any medication that's ever been studied. And that, in terms of treatment, was one of the most groundbreaking uh, studies in the last 10 years. That's amazing. So that's so that so that is kind of maybe where you start. uh, The patient comes in, gets to the right first practitioner. And then from there, it's that team approach that looks at what's what's best for that for that um, patient and the family. So I, I love that multidisciplinary approach right off the, uh, the beginning. I think that's why Children's Mercy is often so successful. Dr. Kaufman, I want to thank you, um, you know, for the work that you're doing and for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.